Well, I'm sharing with you tonight on prayer that moves mountains, prayer that moves mountains. And I want us to uh, take a moment and just prepare our hearts. We have not met like this on a Sunday night since in the spring of the year. And I believe there's times and seasons that God brings. And I think we're in a season where God is wanting to bring us close and draw us close to him and to that we feel his heart, not just hear, but we feel and sense his heart. And um, I believe that's what God wants to do in these meetings. And uh, we are going to be meeting uh, on Sunday nights, September and October, and we will evaluate at the end of those, of those months um, how successful uh, attendance has been if we uh, go on in this direction. And I want to encourage you to be a, be a part of, of these meetings, and I know the Lord will help us. So let's pray together. Uh, Father, we have been worshiping and honoring you, and here at the close of a a most unusual day, um, most unusual hours in our state's history, we are here to do business for you. We are here to proclaim your good news. And I know that um, at this time of night, many people start to retreating and kind of uh, slowing up a little bit and uh, thinking about going to the barn and getting back to home. And I want to thank you tonight for inspiring everyone to be in rapt attention to what your word would say so that we can make great progress in every life from the entrance of your word. Your word reveals your will as it pertains to prayer and to victory. And tonight we want to be full in all in for you, and processing the information of your word carefully and with great assurance of faith. So speak to us tonight, and uh, we praise you in advance for what you're going to do. And everyone said, so be it. Amen. So be it. Praise God. Well, um, the power mower was broken and wouldn't run. So the lady kept hinting to her husband that he should get it fixed. Somehow the message never sank in. So she came up with a unique way to get this matter uh, met. When her husband came home from work, she was sitting in the front yard with a little scissors for sewing, and she was cutting the highest grass, you know, that was in the lawn. And he watched silently for a short while and observed and then went into the house. He was gone for a few minutes, and when he came out, he handed her a toothbrush and said, when you finish cutting the grass, you might as well sweep the sidewalks. (laughs) Doctors say he'll probably walk again, uh, (laughs) but he's going to have a limp, though, for the rest of his journey. (laughs) So... Just trying to help you with your blood pressure. You've had a hard day. Some teams, some of your teams have lost, and, and uh, you're going to be okay. Prayer that moves mountains. We're here in part three of our study, discovering what God says about the critical areas of the topic of prayer. Our topic of discussion tonight is authority in prayer. Authority in prayer. Have you ever been in a position where you spoke to somebody to stop doing something and they just blew you off? 
And they say, who do you think you are talking to me that way? I don't have to listen to you. I can just go on my own way. In John 14, 13, Jesus said, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Our Father receives glory by seeing victories occur through your prayers and mine. Unlimited powers available to those that pray. So by what authority, friends, do mountains move? How is it that mountains can be commanded to move and then they must go? By whose authority can believers experience this kind of victory? Our universe is governed tonight by law and order for the most part. God has put principles in that work. The SARS will come out, maybe not here in our community tonight, but as a general rule, they'll come out. You'll see the same constellations. You can identify them. The tide comes in at a certain time, goes out at a certain tide, it rises at a certain time, and so forth. And we know that various laws, the law of gravity is going to work. The law of, um, uh, you know, uh, whatever you sow, you're going to, you put a seed in the ground, you're going to have reward on that, there's going to be return on that investment. And so, tonight in key cities of the world, chaos is being um, observed in Seattle and Portland, there are forces that say we will have this city. It will be in our control. We will blow you up if you come into this part of the, of, of the city. It belongs to us. And um, I watched with horror as innocent people sitting out in restaurants in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania this week were confronted by people that didn't like them and had never met them before. And um, the authority of human government and leaders is being challenged, wouldn't you say? Now you stop that. You must stop that. Well, they keep going. Well, then we're going to defund the police because that may help silence some people. And on and on it's going. And whose authority is trumping the next authority? And we're in a mess over the topic of authority. Tonight, I'd like to make a statement that the, the concept of authority is the greatest battle in the entire universe tonight, the greatest battle everywhere, anywhere in the universe. Who will have the final word? Now, I have read in this book whose authority will win out. I read the back of the book, and I know what the outcome is, as you do. Praise God. But um, who will have the final word? And who has the authority to stop chaos in the world tonight? Well, I want to talk about that topic, not the violence and stuff that's going on necessarily. But could we just take a moment and think, what is authority? I said it's the greatest controversy in the world today. It's the greatest battle. But what is authority? Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. Let's revisit Jesus' words to his disciples. You have to, let me put this in context. Jesus has appointed the 12 to go forth and represent him. Now he's appointed the 70, and he's given them power and authority to use his name, right? And so they go out. And they come back rejoicing, 
because of victories that they have won. But notice what Jesus said to them in the 19th verse. Behold, I give you power or delegated authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Quite an amazing statement. It's all-inclusive. Nothing shall hurt you. I give you all authority over the enemy. And then he reminds them to go heal the sick. You tell them that the kingdom of God is come to this place, verse 9. And he goes on in talking to them, and they go forth. And then they come back in the 17th verse of Luke 10, and the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. And he said unto them, well, boys, I watch Satan fall as lightning from heaven. He's, he's announcing what, what the end of Satan's ultimate authority is and has been. Behold, I give, you, I give unto you power or power of attorney to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Let me read that from the Amplified Version. Listen carefully. I have given you authority that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions, and the ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy, parentheses, Satan, and nothing will in any way harm you. Some people go to sleep in fear every night because they think something's going to happen. You don't have to as a child of God. You don't have to go to bed like that as a child of God. Authority has been given to believers, absolute mastery. Now, please note with me in the 19th verse, I'm sure you're familiar with this, but just for the sake of those that may not be, he said, you shall trample on scorpions and serpents. If you study that out, you'll find that represents the power, the variegated powers of the enemy, of Satan. Literally, that means demons, evil spirits, and any demonic manifestation. So then he says to them, as they come back rejoicing, he said, that should not be your source of joy, that you have authority over the devil. What should be your source of joy? He goes on to say, but rejoice. Rejoice, verse 20, Luke chapter 10, verse 20, but rejoice because your name is written in heaven. You should be more excited about the fact that you belong to the kingdom of God than you have authority over the devil. That just happens to be an appendage that you have authority over the devil. The big deal is... Whose kingdom are you a part of? Amen. Glory to God. So tonight, authority, what it really is, is delegated power. I don't know if you've ever had the privilege to be at the Arc of, Arc of Triumph in Paris, France, but um, that in other big places in Europe, you'll find maybe, I think there's seven or eight different roads all converging in the same, they're all coming together in one spot. <laughs> they're in France. And um, you have to be a Philadelphia lawyer to figure out who's going to go next. Otherwise, it's massive pandemonium. So they have these, these little police people, and they have a white glove, and they have a badge, and a whistle. And they hold the hand up, and everyone's got to stop or face the consequence. So how does a five-foot-tall policewoman withstand trucks and big vehicles 
It's a, it's a daunting thing to figure out, but it's because the authority that's in that badge and that's been placed in that person. And that's one of, one of the reasons why we, we, we read from Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, or in his mighty power, as the New International Version says. Wigglesworth used to tell the story about going to the bus to take the, to take the bus, uh, uh, he was waiting at the bus stop to go somewhere, and a little lady came and stood next to him, they were waiting for the bus, and her little pooch uh, followed her out the door and came and stood and was yipping and yipping and yapping, and, and, and of course you can't, bring the, you can't bring a dog on the bus, at least in those days you couldn't. Everything's changed now with dog rights and you know, don't, you know, don't show partiality to the, you know, to the people and then defer that to the dogs. The dogs have got as much rights as anybody, you know, and uh, cats and birds and kangaroos and all of that. You, you have to let them all on the bus if you need to go on the bus. Anyway, but be that as it may, she said, go home. Go home. Wigglesworth said the dog wouldn't go. He wouldn't, he just stayed there because he, he wanted to go with her. And so finally she raised her voice and said, get! And the dog fled in terror from her because he knew she had authority. The point is, sometimes we pacify the devil and just go, come on, would you leave me alone? Would you leave me alone? And then we finally get and come out and say, Wapo, I'm going to do this to you unless you leave now, you know. Praise God. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, Peter announces, be alert and sober in your mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him! Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Wow. We are the ones that are to resist him. We have the authority to resist him. Well, let's, let's consider the source, the source of the believer's authority. What authority do you have as a blood-washed follower of Jesus? It's found in the resurrection or exaltation of Jesus Christ by God. In Ephesians 2, we understand the door opens now and we can look in and realize exactly where the authority is for us to think this way. As for you, Paul writes, you were dead in your transgression and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time. We were gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. He has raised us up and seated us with Christ. The authority you have is because of joint relationship with Jesus. He's lifted us up. He's raised us up. We are no longer slaves and servants of the enemy, but he's made us alive with Jesus, and we have victory in him. So we realize tonight that authority has been conferred to you as a child of God because you are seated with Christ. Well, what is authority? 
The authority we talked about for those few moments is something that we need to understand, but we need to, we need to understand the authority of Jesus, the authority of Jesus tonight in Matthew 21. Oh, I just love Jesus because he has all authority. You know, there's not a fight that he's ever lost. When you magnify Jesus, you're, you're exalting the one who's never been whooped. That's Texas talk. Bill was talking about Texas. And people have dic- different dictionaries down there, right? Matthew 21, verse 21. Jesus said, I tell you, if, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but all, you remember the fig tree that Jesus cursed and it withered from the roots in a, in a day, but also you can say to this mountain, whatever mountain you face, Go throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. And if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. What a powerful statement. So Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Huh. What kind of snobs do they, I mean, that's like a teenager coming and saying, who are you to be my boss and tell me I'm supposed to be in bed at 10 o'clock? And then the mother comes in and says, listen, I I brought you into this world and I can take you out. There's a new sheriff in town, right? The Pharisees did not understand or appreciate Jesus' statement regarding authority. But Jesus had already revealed where he got his authority from. And let me remind you, John 5, 43, Jesus announced, I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But someone else that comes in his own name, you will accept. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. Any John Doe that walks in here in his own name, you'll accept him just because that's who you are. But you won't accept me. So the Father, he explains that authority has been given him. Father's given all authority to Jesus. John 5, 21, for just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he's pleased to give it. Wow. The life that you have in Jesus tonight is God's gift to you. In John 5, 28, do not be amazed at this, for time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and will come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Wow. Everyone will have to respond to the authority of Jesus, he now announces. Paul gives a prayer for the church in Ephesians 3, verse 14, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family and on heaven and in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We've got to know Him, we've got to understand Him, and that's what enables us through faith to be filled 
with the measure of the fullness of God. Do you realize tonight the authority in Jesus' name? Have you come to appreciate it? John chapter 8 and verse 32, Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we talked about the authority. What does it mean, the authority in Jesus? Let's think for a moment about the authority of the believer. Jesus' power came from his Father. Where does your power come from tonight? What are you banking on? What are you leaning on for authority? The power to deliver, the power to lay your hands upon a loved one and pray, the power to believe God for a victory when you need it, to set captives free. All that power comes from the name of Jesus. Let me illustrate how it works. In Acts chapter 3, one of the most amazing passages of Scripture in the Bible to me, in Acts 3, verses 1 and following, one day Peter and John going up to the temple at the time of prayer, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, And a man who had been lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money, and Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, look on us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. I want to remind you this is the first exercise of the anointing of Jesus at work through people like you and me. First time it happened. Now notice in verse 7, it indicates an immediate demonstration of healing, an immediate response. Taking him by the right hand, He helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went walking with them in the temple courts, walking and leaping and praising God. Can you imagine the ruckus that was, seeing a bedraggled guy that came laying there at the temple his whole life, and now he's leaping and dancing and praising God, shouting up a storm? Verse 10, know this. You and all the people of Israel, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has now become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no other name, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by by which we must be saved. So tonight all authority exists in Jesus' name. And it's authority you are able to utilize for the advancement of God's kingdom. I was a young boy. You might have heard me tell the story. I've told it two or three times over the last 20 years. But growing up in Chicago, my parents were attending Bethel Temple Assembly of God Church on North Avenue. Um, The church had alcohol stores and taverns all around it great place for a New Testament church to be in the midst of alcoholics and so forth. And occasionally there'd be some happy people come into church, you know what I'm talking about? And uh, they'd have to be watched and escorted out and all of that. It was during the worship service, Pastor Williams was on the platform. My mother was sitting up on the uh, piano up on the right side. She was the church pianist. And they were worshiping God and people were sitting down. It was not a standing-up service like we're prone to do, which is good. And, of course, if you come to the early service, the good people let you sit down during the service and uh, 
you know, if he's nice to you and all of that. Sometimes he's nice to us, but uh, we, have a good, we have a good boss. And uh, anyway, this drunk guy came charging, a big, huge man came charging up the aisle in the middle of the song service, and everyone, everything, the music stopped, and he said, I'm going to kill you, and spitting and everything, just yelling. And he was coming like a, like a barn on fire up that aisle. And, um, I, I, you know, we were kids. I mean, we were little guys like this. And uh, Pastor Williams uh, came up to the pulpit and just said, in the name of Jesus, you devil, stop. And it was like that man had been shot with a, with a uh, shotgun because he flipped backwards multiple times. The authority of Pastor Williams' voice and the power in the name that he used. In the name of Jesus, you devil, he said, stop. And he laid there. The guy laid there like a dead man. The authority of Jesus' name was so strong, it just took the guy right down. Boom, he was gone. I mean, he wasn't dead. Four or five ushers came and dragged him, one on each leg, one on each arm, and dragged the guy out. He was, you know, I guess he was revived. I don't even remember what happened, but I'll never forget what I saw that night. The power of Jesus not only stopped him, but knocked him back and rolled him over like a cocoon, like a, like a bug that got squashed. And I just want to tell you something. I, I, have, I have remembered multiple miracles like that that have happened growing up and through ministry where demonic powers were snapped and broken and authority was, was completely crushed visibly right in the moment that we share. And we tonight stand in that authority. We live in that authority. Somebody give me witness if, you, if you're in that authority tonight in Jesus' name. Now notice, <clears throat> believers who are raised with Christ uh, are, 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 have done so through the authority of the Word of God. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15, <clears throat> Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15, the Bible says, Paul writes in the King James Version that verse 12, we've been buried with him in baptism. In other words, we've related to him fully that we have died. Our old man has died. Our old life has died. And we've come forth in newness of life. And wherein we are all risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised us and ra- I'm sorry, raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against you, that was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled or stripped principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. The devil hopes you never read this passage and implement it into your life. Notice he said he abolished the law by taking it out of the way and nailing it to his cross. In other words, legalism is not what makes you right with God. It is what Jesus did on that cross. The blood of Jesus applied to my sin and yours makes us uh, having, uh, demonstrates the authority that he wants us to walk in. And, And we see this, that believers are now, verse 12 says, we are raised with Christ through faith of the operation of God. We are raised. So the Father did the work for us. In verse 13, he tells us that believers have been quickened or made alive. You and I had no voice, had no authority. 
We were just minions following like, like, a, like a paper doll that was under control of someone with strings above us. We were following the whims of Satan until Jesus made us alive. And what happened then? Through the operation of God, through faith, we now have been made free. We've been made alive. In the same way that God was quickened. When, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he was quickened. He was made alive. He came alive, came to life again. And we have that same life in us. So God has performed the plan of redemption. And it was God who raised Jesus from the dead. It was God who gave him a name that is above every name. And it was God who spoiled principalities and powers. In those days when an enemy was, uh, was defeated, they would take the king and they would take the royal garments that he had and strip them off so he'd be, uh, I'm not saying he'd be walking down the road in his birthday suit. I think they'd maybe let him walk in his underwear or whatever they wore in those days. Pastor Bill, what did they happen to wear back, back then? I, I sometimes lose track. But historically, you can tell us. You can tell us one day. But uh, anyway. They would strip the man of his royal robes and his crown and all that, and he'd have a chain around his neck, and he'd be dragged behind a chariot, and that would be the way a, a king would be disposed, making a show of him openly. All of his authority spoiled publicly. And, and it was God who's done that to the devil. And I need to keep that picture in my mind when temptation to be discouraged or defeated or, or settle for some illness that's been lingering in your body and you just say, there's no hope. I just need to keep it in my mind what God's word says about the devil. He has triumphed over the devil publicly, making a show of him openly. Hallelujah. So t before I close tonight, uh, could I just focus for a moment on the power of attorney? The power of attorney. God has given the use of his name to you and to me. It's an amazing thing. The first time you turn the key or keys of your car to your teenage son and say, go have a good time, you be careful, and you just spend the night in intercession, right? Because you don't want to have what's, what you know is going to happen. I have stories to tell you, Bonnie, and I could tell you stories that would... Uh, cause you much grief and heartache because of things that happened in days gone by. It was gravel. The gravel was loose and all of that, but they should have never, on uh, different things. Uh, praise God. Brent may be watching tonight. Praise the Lord. But <clears throat> you as a blood-washed follower of Jesus possess the authority to use his name. I uh, want to, it's been on my heart this afternoon, and I have uh, been thinking about John 20. I spent some time this afternoon uh, looking at this passage afresh. And if you have, a, if you have your Bible open, uh, we don't have the words fully on the screen for you, but I want to just take a moment. John chapter 20, in verse 19. Jesus, of course, is now has resurrected from the dead, and now he's making appearance, multiple different appearances to his, to his disciples. John uh, chapter 20, verse 19, on the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut because the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, peace be unto you. And when he had so said, 
he showed them his hands and his side. And then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Can you imagine what a thrill that was? Then said Jesus to them, again, peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. The same authority that Father gave Jesus and commissioned him to go with an endowment of power, you have that same endowment. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed upon them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. This passage of Scripture um, is so illuminating to me because it means that all of us need to be willing to follow the Lord's command. Great peace, as Father hath sent me, in that same way I'm sending you. God is sending you to the place where you work tomorrow to be a bearer of the glory of Jesus in that place. In that neighborhood where you walk, God is sending you with his endowment of power. In that place where you go to school, he's sending you with that endowment of power to go. The reason many believers have so little power in their lives is not because the power is not available but they don't understand and they don't believe that this power is for us. Unlimited power, according to the word, is at the believer's command. That's why when you're confronted with circumstance in your home, a loved one is ill, somebody calls you in the night, please pray, this is going on. You need to just man up You need to stand tall and say, what, you devil? You're trying to do what to my family? In the name of Jesus, as Father send Jesus, he is sending me to deliver the captive, to bind up the brokenhearted, on and on. Keys to remember, Satan held the power of death, but Jesus has has defeated him. In Revelation 1.18, Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and behold, no, amen, I forgot the amen, and amen, and I have the keys of hell and of death. Jesus took the keys that Satan rightfully held, and Colossians 2.15 said he's disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Amen. That's why Jesus has informed you In Matthew 18, 18, truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Let's pause for just one moment. Whatever you bind on earth, what does that mean? It means whatever you declare unlawful is declared unlawful in the spirit realm. Whatever you then permit or loose is also loosed in the earthly realm, in the heavenly realm, and so forth. So we're loosing divine protection. We're calling on God to take care of every one of us, our families, our loved ones, our circumstances. Hallelujah. 
Um, I'm scanning the audience tonight. I don't know if the gentleman is here that spoke to me this morning. A new man who's been coming to the church for just several weeks. He's uh, attended uh, Spirit-filled churches for a long time and had recently been attending another church in our city, and he's been coming now several weeks and um, has told me this is his church. He's going to be coming, he and his wife. He told me the story at the altar this morning that he has a sister that lives, I believe he said, in Mill City. And the fires came, and the fire consumed the house on the one side and on the other side completely burned down. His sister, who's a strong follower of Jesus, has a wooden cross in front of her house that is in between the house and the driveway, and it's in the front yard. I don't know that it's unlawful yet in this country to have a cross. Some cities it is, but um, not for this lady. This wooden cross in your face, right there in in the front lawn of the house. The fire came from the, from the right side and burned that house, came to the driveway of her house, and went around the house, behind the house, came around the left side of the house, and then burned the house over here to the ground. And he was giving glory to God because the cross is a declaration of where their trust is in that family And it's his contention that the power of Jesus protected and preserved that house several days ago. Are you thankful for how God wants to take care of his people? Thank you, Jesus. 